Wellness Force Radio, episode 14. This is Daryl Edwards, and I'm all the way from London, England. I'm known as the Fitness Explorer, and you're listening to Wellness Force Radio with Josh Trent. For a lot of people, exercise is something that we either do because we know we have to. It's like, ah, oh, you know, I, I know I have to exercise because it's part of becoming healthier. It's gonna, it's, I'm gonna look better, I'm gonna feel better if I exercise. So I'm going to have to undertake some sort of regimen. And for some people, it becomes a chore and a burden and they can't quite make it part of their lifestyle. Welcome to Wellness Force Radio, where you will hear inspiring and passionate experts in the areas of wellness technology and behavior change. Your host, Josh Trent, will empower you with the knowledge and tools you need to take the very best actions in transforming your mindset, your body, and ultimately your life. Now here's your host. Wellness Force Radio, welcome back for another educational and inspirational show. I am your host, Josh Trent, and thank you for sharing a little slice of your day with us here on the show, in the car, at work, at home, whatever you're doing. Thank you for joining us. This show is all about finding the most inspiring and passionate experts in behavior change and wellness technology. These are the thought leaders. They're dedicating their lives to empowering others with knowledge and tools that drive real transformation in our physical and emotional wellness. Show notes from today, as well as all the free resources, can be found at wellnessforce.com slash radio. If what we talk about on the show today resonates with you or means something to you, please share it with friends or family that you care about. I want to take a moment just to read a really special review that was left on iTunes, and it's from a mentor of mine, someone that I've respected in the fitness industry for a long time, and it's the president of the Fitness Industry Technology Council, Brian O'Rourke. Brian writes on iTunes, I've known Josh for a few years and have the highest regard for his work and personal integrity. He's always been a big supporter of the Fitness Industry Technology Council, and we think this content is yet another example of how Josh continues to create relevant information for an evolving fitness space. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Brian. I really appreciate that. You have always been an inspiration to me. So Wellness Force Radio, please check out the Fitness Industry Technology Council. They are the thought leaders who are actually blending technology so it fits and empowers people in the industry. Now, let's jump into the show. Today, I am super pumped to have on Daryl Edwards. Daryl, welcome to the show. Hi, Josh. How you doing? This is awesome, man. We met in person, I want to say like three or four months ago, and we couldn't stop talking. It was like three hours of technology and fitness. So I am excited to continue our conversation. No, thanks a lot, Josh. I really, really appreciate the invitation and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Daryl, today's show is all about finding the joy of play and movement and connecting a lifestyle from our roots in ancestral health and also primal and paleo fitness. But before uh, we jump into all these cool topics, I want to give some of the listeners who may not have heard about you a better pulse. Daryl Edwards Bio, he is the founder of Health Unplugged and owner of Fitness Explorer Training. He's an international speaker, coach, nutritionist, and the author of Paleo Fitness and the recently published award-winning book, Paleo A to Z. He's been published in Men's Health, Women's Health, Men's Fitness, and featured on the BBC. After almost two decades working as a technologist in investment banking, he transformed his health after adopting ancestral health for better well-being. Daryl now advises people on maintaining a healthy lifestyle amidst the epidemic of obesity and other chronic lifestyle diseases. As the founder of Primal Play, he makes activity fun 
effective and engaging while getting individuals healthier, fitter, and stronger in the process. He specializes in working with children from four to 94, fitness for those who hate to exercise, as well as for those who love it, but relish the new challenge. Daryl, really cool, four to 94. Have you coached a 93-year-old child? I I have them, actually. So my oldest client uh, was in her early 90s, and it's amazing uh, seeing the transition from someone who takes life very seriously, but recognizes that if for them to continue their, their movement craft, they want to enjoy what they're doing. So yes, I, I do believe we do, we all have this inner child that we suppress a lot of time in adulthood, who can't wait to get out, do you know what I mean? Um, yes. And, and movement and exercise shouldn't be any, any different, in my opinion. And we live in an age of a lot of sedentary time. People sit an hour to go to work, they sit eight hours at work, then they sit an hour to come home, then they sit and watch TV. So we're talking like 14 hours of sedentary time. There has got to be a better way to incorporate movement into people's lives that, you know, whose jobs require them to sit. So I am stoked about today where we're going to give some incredible value to the audience to discuss how to plug in these healthy movement breaks throughout the day. Also, how to make movement fun and sustainable and how to begin this primal and paleo lifestyle where Daryl is the ultimate expert on paleo living and how to move closer to our roots as human beings. So Daryl, I'm curious, man, before we jump into the show, what is something that people might not know about you, like a fun fact? A fun fact? Oh, that's interesting. Let's see. I've got a, actually, I've got a few fun facts. One is I recorded an album just over 10 years ago, which uh, did quite well in terms of critical acclaim. And one of the videos uh, was number one on MTV in Latin America. So what? there's a yes. <laughs> so what, what was your title? What was it? Uh, the the, um, the album was called Audio Cinematography, and my artist name was Glidescope. G L I D E A S C O P E. So there's. Right, I'm going so to have to link that up. Yeah, I'm going to have to link that in the show notes. There's a fun fact. Yeah, I've got, I've got quite, really a, cool. quite a few of those uh, fun facts, but uh, there's 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 one to get going. You can ask me one later. Okay. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. So we have a pop star on the show today. I'm curious, man, you know, Paleo A to Z, Paleo Fitness, you won an award recently at Wellness FX. You won best book, correct? Best novel? Yeah. Yeah. Best book. So um, basically it was uh, uh, based on public vote um, and they voted Paleo Fitness, the best fitness book. um, And there was quite a few, well, amazing peers um, within that category. And, and I was voted best in that category. So really, really privileged to, to be nominated and to win, win the award for that. What an honor. Yeah, for, yeah. for sure. So, uh, yeah, it's, all, it's, it's always good to get receive recognition uh, for what you do. Yeah, I definitely applaud and celebrate getting a pat on the back for my work, which is, which is, which is always good. Very cool. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss Paleo A to Z, but just to begin... Paint a quick picture of what your life was like as a technologist. I know you and I had had discussed in person at Lauren's house about these wearables, and I know you're a fan of the Apple Watch, but yet you speak from this ancestral and very primal type lifestyle. So I'm curious, what is your interest in technology? How did that shape your talent now to create these books and everything you're doing with your primal playouts? I suppose I've, I've always been fascinated with technology since childhood. I was very fortunate to be one of the first to encounter home computing. You know, so in the, in the sort of late 70s, computers became devices you could use in your home. You'd plug them up to your TV set and you would play games predominantly. But there were also the opportunities to 
stopped writing computer code. So I, I had an Atari 400 computer, <laughs> um, <laughs> and my interest was really initially playing very old-school arcade games like Pac-Man and you know, Asteroids and, and Defender. You may not remember these games, but yeah, those are the games I would, I'd be playing as a child, and then I could start playing those games in the home. But I was interested in the inner workings of that machine, that device. So I literally spent my time in front of a TV screen for hours on end learning how to write computer code in a, in a basic so that was that's that's what i did uh, and, and i and i never lost that interesting technology so my childhood passion for as a career was to become a doctor but um academically but my real passion was really computer computers and computer science so that's what i went to university to do so i studied computer science i then decided to work to write programs commercially in terms of business software and I specialized in finance. So I started working in software houses. Then I started working in investment banking, spending a lot of my time there. Um, and I was also headhunted for Microsoft back then. So in the, in the days when Microsoft were the king of, of technology in, in all areas. So I had a real passion for technology and I wanted to exploit that. And of course, financially, working in investment banking was very, very lucrative. Sure. In terms of what happened that made me change well change career to do what I do now is I became sick so I had regular annual health checks and on one of those occasions I was told I suffer from a whole host of issues from high blood pressure you know elevated blood glucose I was pre-diabetic I was anemic iron based anemic I had a seborrheic dermatitis which is a chronic kind of skin condition of horrendous skin condition, you know, being presented with all of this and being told, you know, you've got elevated risk of cardiovascular disease, you know, you really have to change your lifestyle, Daryl, uh, in order to get better. And I was like, well, hold on a second. I thought I was living a healthy lifestyle. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm eating this type of diet. I'm exercising several times a week. I don't smoke. I'm not a big drinker. I don't understand. And I was told not to worry. We can just give you a series of meds to sort everything out. So, you know, we can sort out your blood sugar, we can sort out your blood, your blood pressure, we can sort out your, your cholesterol levels. You know, you'll have this cocktail of medication that will sort you out. But my concern was one of, well, hold on a second, this sounds great, but how long do I have to take these meds for? And what about the side effects? And I was just told, one, <laughs> it's gonna be for the rest of your life. Oh. Uh, and, and secondly, you know, if there are any side effects, we, we'll manage that and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll recommend alternative medicines so everything should be fine so me being a bit of a coward and a bit of a, a wuss said I'd rather not take the meds because I'm concerned about the side effects and I decided to do my own research around lifestyle interventions and it was I was very fortunate to come across the paleo diet by Lauren Cordain over 10 years ago and that began the journey of me saying there is something that I can do to regain control and going back to basics seems like the right approach to take. This is so cool, man. I mean, you actually, you remind me of Rob Wolf's story where he was dealing with, I mean, he almost had to have a piece of his body removed. Like I think it was his colon. He had some digestive issue and he had the same yes. journey. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm just getting this common theme that I'm hearing with everyone who's really making an impact, whether it be paleo or fitness, and they have gone through some type of ordeal, some type of journey themselves. It's interesting. Your name is the fitness explorer. That's what you do is help people explore, but you've gone on a journey too. I mean, you've had things that you had to overcome. And these are the people that can really help others. It's hard to help people when you haven't been where they are. 
Yeah, for sure. I, t- I totally agree, Josh. It, it's, it's quite galling to me where you see, say, for example, you go to a, you know, you're going to a gym for the first time and, you know, you decide to hire a personal trainer and you get someone who's probably, you know, could be half of your age, who's in fantastic condition, literally, you know, gets out of bed every morning doing 100 burpees, uh, who probably hasn't experienced much in life, who then tells you, you know, you need to change your life physically. You're lazy. You know, you, you need to, you know, you need better grip to, on, on your willpower. And I personally, as, a, as your coach, never encountered any issues. I haven't had to lose any weight. I haven't had to get into shape because I've always been in shape. I'm young, full of vitality and energy. And I'm just going to patronize you throughout for our entire session. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. So for me, being formerly a very weak, kind of physically incapable guy, it was great for me to undergo a personal transformation from sickness to wellness and being able to completely understand and empathize what it's like for someone to have whatever difficulty that is, whatever issue that is, whether it's one from a, a health point of view or, or trying to get into into physical shape point of view, I completely understand what's required, you know, and, and appreciate the steps that are take, need to be taken in order to, to reach the goals and the objectives that you wish to, to achieve. This is really powerful too. And I want to segue into what is primal play? So we've heard about this all over the media, primal living. I think just to get a little clarity on what is primal living and then transition that, Daryl, into how you define primal play. Primal living, I mean, primal and paleo are fairly used, you know, synonymously. And it describes a lifestyle that is based on our ancestral heritage. So it's looking at practices from our hunter-gatherer ancestors and taking the best of that and applying it to the present day. So that's everything from looking at, you know, the type of foods that we eat, the type of foods that we avoid, um, you know, our sleep patterns, our stress patterns, looking at physical activity, avoiding toxins, making sure you're getting adequate sunlight, and, and, and so on. So it's taking all of those lifestyle aspects, bringing those into the present day, and you know, taking the best of those and blending them with the best of the present. So, for example, there are ways to integrate Mon technology to improve your health. There are also ways of in- integrating Mon technology which are, is definitely detrimental to your health. Do you understand what I mean? So, so, so yeah, so I'm not one to kind of avoid completely, you know, I don't want to go back to living in a cave, you know, I don't want to be out, you know, living in the Amazon for the rest of my days in order to prove, <laughs> yeah. you know, in order to prove my, my kind of ancestral capability, you know, there's no romanticism, you know, about this. It's about taking the best of that. If I get out of bed, for example, in the morning and I decide, actually, I'd, I'd prefer to stay there, you know, I don't want to go outside, I don't want to face the world, I'm going to avoid getting any sunlight. I'm going to spend my time immersed in technology all day and not want to communicate with anyone, you know, in terms of social interaction unless it's virtual. If I decide to eat only processed and artificial foods and to be physically inactive, it's obvious what will happen to me from a health point of view. There's going to be a decline into physical, mental and kind of psychological health issues. That's going to happen. So I need to make sure that I can do whatever I can to get as far away from that end of the spectrum as I can. And so, mm. and so primal and paleo and ancestral living is trying to, to optimize your health through some of these practices. That in summation, that is the primal paleo ancestral lifestyle in the modern era. And primal play is looking at the physical activity aspects of the primal lifestyle, but ensure that it's enjoyable. So for a lot of people, exercise is something that 
we either do because we know we have to. It's like, ah, oh, you know, I, I know I have to exercise because it's part of becoming healthier. It's gonna, it's, I'm going to look better. I'm going to feel better if I exercise. So I, I'm, I'm going to have to undertake some sort of regimen. And for some people, it becomes a chore and a burden and they can't quite make it part of their lifestyle, you know. Um, so they have to pay a lot of money to be abused or to uh, undergo something that's quite punishing in order to realize their fitness goal. Whereas I personally want to enjoy physical activity. I want to enjoy movement. I want to have fun. I want to, be, I want to laugh and engage with other individuals. And Primal Play was born out of that desire to engage and enjoy movement. It's interesting because I used to have clients that would come to me as a trainer and say, I want you to kick my ass. And I'd be like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, how is that a positive anchor in your psychology? You want me to kick your ass? So, so I think that, you know, hearing you talk about making this something sustainable, I mean, that's, that's what I'm getting from you. So taking people through a movement, whether it be primal, whether it be strength in the gym. I mean, I know you're not demonizing the gym. I'm sure that you probably occasionally go into the gym. Yeah, I don't demonize any physical environment that enables someone to undertake physical activity. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're as you mentioned yeah. earlier, we're far too sedentary. You know, most of us just sit down all day and use technology and mechanical devices to perform anything that's labor intensive. So, of course, if you can spend half an hour, an hour, several times a week in a gym to exploit, you know, physical, have some sort of physical expenditure, then that's all well and good. I suppose what I'm focusing on is for some people, one, they may not have the budget or the time to go to a gym, but they can at least integrate physical activity into their day. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it isn't Absolutely. just about taking out an hour out of your day as a hobby to become physically active. It's also asking what you can do throughout your day, walking to the shopping mall rather than taking the car, you know, taking the stairs rather than the, than the lift. It's asking all of those questions about what you can do to integrate more physical activity into your life, but also ensure that you have a sense of purpose around enjoying what you do. So whatever it is you do physically, if you're just grimacing throughout the process, and if you're only longing for the end of the session because, you know, oh, at the end, I'm going to feel great. For me, that isn't good enough. I want to feel great immediately. And it reminds me of being a kid, and which is why Prama Play is for children of all ages. It's because when I was a kid, I didn't exercise. I was physically active as I was playing. So, you know, my friends would come around to my house. Say, hey, Dale, are you coming out to play? Yeah, sure. And we'd go out. We'd undertake a lot of physical activities. And if it was boring or uncomfortable or painful, we didn't do it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so mm. so the, the rules were it had to be fun, had to be engaging, had to be inclusive. You know, there was no point five of us playing and one just sitting out all day. Do you know what I mean? We had to ensure we could include everyone in whatever the physical activity was. Of course. And usually by the end of the day, your parents are calling you in for dinner. You know, you stood one and you'd be like, no, I just want to stay out and let's play. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, yeah. <laughs> your dinner's ready. Uh, yeah, mom, can we just have another half an hour? Please, please? You know, so that those are the memories that I, and the nostalgia around play and physical activity that I want to bring to the present day. 
This is really cool. So, so how do we how do we integrate this as adults, people that have full time jobs, you know, forty plus hours a week? This is a great transition point because you speak about the joy of play, the happiness that we had when we were kids. I mean, everybody is still a kid on the inside, no matter how much external responsibility you have. Mm-hmm. So, how does an adult or how does a working professional begin to integrate your philosophy of primal play? I mean, what do those first steps look like? First step. So, first up, I'd say buy my book, Paleo Fitness. <laughs> That's for one, but 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 no. In in all seriousness, probably the first place to start is to cast your mind back to what you enjoyed as a kid in terms of play. You know, if you're a parent, then probably try engaging with those type of games with your children. They would certainly love it, and you'll find you'll you'll love it as well. Secondly, if you can start smiling or laughing the second you engage in that movement practice, you know you have you you know you're onto a winner. So, for example, if I went out to play basketball say that's what I was like yeah I really enjoyed basketball as a kid that's what I'm going to go and do and play now as an adult if I went to play basketball probably most likely I'm going to start becoming really competitive it's all about winning it's all about me you know showing up my prowess with, with this game whereas if I probably played dodgeball I would probably be laughing and joking immediately do you know what I mean you yeah. it, it, it's it's you, you know you take it far less seriously but you can be serious when you're engaging in it you can laugh and you can joke you can still have that kind of playful competitiveness. And so that's, you know, it doesn't have to be dodgeball. That's just an example. But try and find something where you have immediate enjoyment and uh, immersion, immersing yourself in the activity where it becomes quite mindful and quite engaging. And, you know, you realize it truly is about playing the game rather than winning the game. And if you can find that, then that's, that's all you need to do. Mm. Yeah, and so primal play is really a framework or methodology that enables people to regain that, you know, in whatever they're doing physically. You know, it doesn't have to be playing dodgeball. I can turn a, a push-up, say, for example, into something that's really fun. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, you can, you can turn a pull-up into something whereby you start climbing trees and you start, you know, thinking about how you, the strategy involved in climbing a tree and how you're going to get down safely and how you start judging you know, your risk awareness and, and perception around risk and all those things that you would do as a child innately and naturally and kind of look at your peers for, for ways to get there. We should be doing the same as adults. You know, yeah. let's, let's, let's look at it from a child's point of view with openness and say, hey, this is, I'm, I'm actually learning how to move again. I'm learning how to enjoy movement. I'm learning how to play again. And I want to share this with my, with my children, my family and my peers. So that's, that's what I'm trying to create, a movement of those who really want to be passionate about, about life through movement. I can attest as well because I remember you took me through this hand slap game where you were standing behind me and I was reaching left, right really quick and I'm smiling the entire time. I mean, you know, obviously because I felt like a little overwhelmed. There's like all these people watching me. So that was funny in its own right. But it was cool. I mean, doing something where you're twisting, you're bending, you're lunging, you're going through some type of level change, you're doing locomotion, you're taking your body through these different ranges that it never goes through and you just cannot get that in a sagittal plane in the gym. So I'm curious in your own life. I mean, what does that look like for you coming from this technology background where you were sitting a lot? How did you make that transition personally? I suppose it was initially when I encountered this lifestyle, you know, this kind of paleo lifestyle, I went hardcore with my food choices. So it's like, right, I'm going to be 100% strict now with the paleo diet because I'm realizing all these benefits. I recognize physical activity is really important. So I'm going to go hardcore when it comes to my fitness. So initially, I started this really high-intensity kind of cross 
training program that really improved my fitness in a very short space of time. I mean, it was incredible what I was able to do. You know, I went from deadlifting. So, for example, I, I remember being really happy about deadlifting 30 kilos, which, I mean, that's like 65 pounds. So that, that gives you an idea of how, how weak I was as, as, as an adult, how much weaker I was, I should say. So wow. I remember celebrating lifting 30 kilos, uh, a deadlift, and feeling very proud about that. But, you know, not, in not very much time, I went to lifting 180, 190 kilos, which is, uh, I think, 415, 425 pounds, something like that. I can't remember now. But I started lifting really heavy weights. I started getting really fast and really fit and beating my peers at the gym. But there was a downside. And the downside was I was starting to get injured on a regular basis. So I could no longer take part in, in that regimen. And I started to hate the process. So the only thing that was driving me was beating the, the other members on the board, you know, posting better numbers than them. And secondly, it was purely about the end result. And I started to really, uh, I, I didn't enjoy the process at all. I started, you know, wishing the, the workout was over, just to get it over and done with. I just want to post the numbers up. And I recognized that wasn't going to be sustainable. One, I was getting battered and bruised all of the time. And secondly, I couldn't see myself doing this, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s. Could I see myself doing this every single day? No. So it wasn't sustainable for me and I wasn't enjoying it. And then I started to think about, again, about playing. It was like, what can I do to enjoy this? So me deadlifting a, an Olympic bar off the ground is great. But if I try and deadlift my friend <laughs> who, <laughs> who weighs half my one rep max, I can find that's actually quite a challenge and very difficult, but also fun. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. we're having a bit of fun here, me deadlifting an inanimate object rather than an inanimate one. And that was what the, the became the chrysalis of primal play. It was like, I can still perform all of those amazing feats of physical activity, but within the framework of play. So I can still get stronger, fitter, faster, less likely to be injured myself because I'm now working in all different planes of motion. I can get some fresh air because I'm, I, can, I can choose to be outside. I don't have to just perform this within the gym. I can take it outside. I can do it at home. I can do it wherever I am, hotel room uh, at the moment, but I can play even within the hotel room. Do you know what I mean? I can, I, sure. create, I can create my own gym wherever I am. It's really cool because you touch on taking whatever you're around your environment and just making that applicable to exercise. So I'm, you know, this is something that uh, Dan Party talked about. He came on the show is having these seven minute movement breaks and the results that he's gotten from this type of methodology that you're speaking is phenomenal because I think for a lot of people, Daryl, an hour of time, including changing clothes, taking a shower, people might not have an hour straight. So what are some ways that you've helped people integrate these movement breaks into a complicated modern day lifestyle? Yeah. So, I mean, that's an interesting concept. I, I actually call those movement snacks. So, oh, movement so, snacks. you know, a break tends to assume that you're, you know, you're doing something that's, you're setting that aside from the rest of your day. Do you know what I mean? So psychologically, you're saying to yourself, this isn't the norm. So you know, movement, again, should be dedicated to, even if it's five minutes, even if it's seven minutes, let's just set some time aside to do something that isn't the norm, whereas actually movement should be part and parcel of your day. So whether you're having a, a three-course meal of movement <laughs> or, or, or a quick bite-sized snack, it's just about movement. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, yeah. Yeah. so, so I, I recommend that people undertake movement snacks 
whenever they can. And that movement stack might be you just rolling out of bed in the morning and, and you know, knocking out a couple of, you know, 10, 10 burpees. Uh, that might be your movement snack. And that's going to be a great way to set you up for the day. You won't need your morning coffee to get you there. You know, so, <laughs> so that's what I would recommend. Just try to find opportunities for movement. You know, you might see a set of stairs and you go, you know what, I'm just going to run up these stairs just because, just for the sake oh of Oh my it. gosh, you, you know? travel a lot. I mean, I always see you on Facebook and I'm wondering in airports, doesn't it bother you when you see people take the escalator? I, that just like drives me up the wall. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 and you know, even more galling that is when people are on those kind of travelators, those walking, those, uh, those, oh, yeah. those <laughs> yeah, moving walkways. Right. Uh, yeah. If, if there's anything that distresses me, it's seeing that, you know, you get off a flight, long haul flight, 10, 12 hour flight. One, you see a bank of wheelchairs and most people on the plane are definitely, you know, able-bodied. Do you know what I mean? So you see sure. people who have been walking up and down the aisle, going to the toilet or, you know, during the flight who can't wait to get in a wheelchair to be escorted to baggage claim. That really knocks me. And then secondly, you've been sitting for 10 to 12 hours and you decide to walk for five meters to the nearest travelator and just to stand there to be carried for 20 meters. I mean, what's, what's that about? I don't, <laughs> I don't have, know. No, I, I have no idea what that's about. I just don't understand. So, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I tend to, what I tend to use as a challenge is if I see somebody, even if they're walking on a travelator, I will do everything I can to walk alongside them, not using the travelator and to walk faster than they are. That's <laughs> so yes. just to just to make people see that there is no advantage in using that travelator. What's the advantage? I'm going faster than you are, than you are, and I'm w using my own legs. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, not yes. a, a, a device to help me along. So yeah, th those really oh, that really gets me. It really gets me. And, and, and something else that gets me as well in, in London right now. So London is fantastic when it comes to public transport. Lots of people walk. We tend not to use, you know, cars for very short journeys because it's just too much congestion. So we have an excellent public transport system that people, you know, we, we use. I, use. I use it all the time. So you find that you're walking a lot more. You're taking the stairs and the escalators a lot more because that's what you have to do in a, in a big city like that. But increasingly, I'm starting to see signs on the underground telling you not to take the stairs. You'll say, oh, there'll be signs saying things like, um, do not take the stairs. There could be an issue taking the stairs. You're far better off taking the, taking the lift or taking the elevator. Um, what kind of issue are they talking about? Yeah, well, you know, exactly. They don't, they don't explicitly say what could happen. It's just implied that, you know, physical activity is detrimental to your health. So... You know, you might get out of breath. I, you know, who knows? You might slip up on the stairs and, and twist an ankle if you're not used to walking the stairs. I mean, I don't know what they're, I don't know what they're trying to imply. That, that's the inference now that's being communicated along the underground. You know, there's, there's 100 steps. Be really careful, guys. Uh, and actually, I think they should, they should change those messages to something along the lines of, you know, not being physically active will be detrimental to your health. Do you know what I mean? Exactly, not taking yeah. The stairs, not taking the stairs on a regular basis will impact your health negatively that that's that's what we should be told on the on on the on the underground system so yeah we're starting to see these these signs everywhere now uh, airports saying don't take the stairs if you're carrying back luggage don't take the stairs and it's like well why mm. not why you know there were there were some individuals of course who are not able to do that but for most of us we can most of us can walk the stairs without issue and we should exercise that right as, as often as possible. So yeah, anyway, I could talk about that forever. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, this is a recurring theme in my life and it's just being mindful. We talk about this with a lot of guests on the show and it's mindfulness. And I think something that's really unique from what I can tell on your page about paleo A to Z is there is a ton of things out there as far as information. Like how do we actually decipher how to move? What is HIIT? How do we sleep? How do we understand blood tests? How do we just be well? How do we increase our own wellness? Talk about why you made paleo from A to Z and, and what people can learn. I was getting a lot of quest common questions around the choices that I was making in my lifestyle and for people who are visiting my website. So I was getting the same type of questions over and over again. And I recognized that there's something not quite right if the knowledge required to undertake this lifestyle. If you have to have a graduate degree and a postgraduate degree to know what to eat. You know, if you have to study nutrition at the lowest, you know, in the lowest level of detail in order to understand what you should eat, there's a problem. Do you know what I mean? If I have to have an exercise science degree in order for me to have an effective lifestyle regimen, physical activity regimen, there's, there's a problem because our ancestors, they made the right decisions through, you know, for survival. And it was like, don't eat those foods because if you do, you're going to get sick. You know, if you sit down all day, you're going to feel weak. You're not going to be able to go out and hunt. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know if, we don't, if, we, if we're not strong enough, we can't defend ourselves. We're not going to be able to fight. If we have an infection, we need to be, we need to be strong and well. And, you know, it, it, was, it became part of our DNA. And so there has to be a way to simply communicate a lot of the messages around a healthier lifestyle. And that's what paleo from A to Z is about. It's like, let's make this information something that is bite-sized and something that's relevant and something that's evidence-based, but it's going to be very easy to implement. And that, that's been a frustration of mine for a very long time, whereby, you know, most books you buy can just stay on the shelf, you know, kind of shelf help books. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because you, it's quite daunting to have to go through some of these, some really fantastic books, but it's like, oh, I need to spend some time and dedicate my yeah. life to, to reading what's on my shelf. I'm just going to buy even more books that I'm probably not going to read. So I wanted to create something that was really simple, really easy to use, cross-referenced to enable someone to go, right, this is what paleo is about. This is how I can improve my sleep very quickly. This is what that guy, you know, Josh is talking about on his podcast about you know, high intensity interval training. Oh, now I understand what that means. You know, it's, it's, it's that type of information that we need to make more readily available if we really want to make an impact in the world. You know, it should, I think it's, yeah. I think it's cool too, man, because you, you, you touch on in the book, the role of inflammation and epigenetics. I'm curious in the different chapters, did, have you integrated anything about technology or is this really an unpacking of primal and paleo? I do speak about technology. I, I mean, I talk about wearable tech. I talk about biohacking in the book. So, you know, uh, it, these are all the questions people ask. You know, they, they want to know at what point is technology an impediment to a healthier lifestyle. You know, I use something called Flux, for example, on my notebook, which kind of safeguards against blue light. So blue light that, that's kind of emitted from your, your computer late at night will impact your sleep. It will suppress melatonin, so it will stop you feeling drowsy. It will keep you really alert. So that impacts your sleep. So there's, there's one or two things you can do. You can either stop using technology as soon as the sun goes down, full stop, or you can decide to use technology but have some safety nets in place. And so using this, something like Eflux, wearing glasses that will block blue light, 
those are ways you can you can introduce technology into your life which doesn't have too much of a a negative impact do you know what i mean so 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 yeah so i do mention technology as i as i say i'm a a bit of a tech geek but i don't want to be reliant on technology to the point where it's not going to be benefiting me in terms of my health and well-being you know so yeah so i'm mindful you know i use technology i use facebook i i have an apple watch but if the apple watch is only telling me the time and it's just costing me a lot of money that's of no use to me (laughs) <laughs> you know I mean? so so for me my apple watch actually enables me to have less notifications now I, I'm, I'm spending less time just looking at my phone for fear of missing out do you know what i mean because yeah. because i've tweaked it so i only get really worthwhile notifications on my on my watch so i'm spending less time just browsing for the sake of it i utilize the physical activity aspects of the watch so you know the heart rate monitoring and you know, how many calories burn. I don't really care about how many calories I burn, but I can have some sort of indication of how active I've been from one day to the next. So all of those, all of those metrics and a lot of that information, it's easy now, easier for me to, to utilize for my day-to-day practice of movement because of the technology that I'm using. So yeah. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm not anti-tech. As I said, I'm not anti-21st century. I'm just anti-21st century, 21st century practices that are really detrimental to our health. I love it because you've combined this this ancestral living and paleo living and then also keeping your mind open to how technology can serve you. And I know when we talked face to face, you had mentioned that that the certain ways that people play and the devices that people wear, there is somewhat of a disconnect between people not understanding how to use these devices and also people just getting kind of scared of technology in general. Have you talked about or have you helped people understand how to integrate technology into a primal lifestyle? Has that happened in your practice? It has done. So again, the book kind of documents pretty much what I've had to, what I've either gone through personally or what I've recommended to my, to my clients. So it's, you know, Daryl, you've told me on the one hand, I should not use technology after when the sun goes down because it would be better for my health. But you know, I do work from home. I, you know, I, I only can work when I put the kids to bed. So is there a way of me utilizing my technology, but not, not be concerned about me not sleeping, having good quality sleep tonight? Yes, there is. You can use software like such and such. You can buy this device that will, that will assist you. So, of course, I'm answering those questions all of the time. And I think that's, give, that's the beauty of the 21st century and the, the beauty of the latest and greatest in technology. It can assist us. It's just using those tools correctly do you know i mean it's like it's like anything you know too much sun is detrimental you know (laughs) you know i mean (laughs) not enough sun is detrimental to our health we have to find the appropriate amount for us you know uh you know what i mean so most things you know too much water you know can intoxicate us so just because something is healthful doesn't mean that there isn't a limit to what we can withstand so you know it's finding out and answering those questions around technology and saying yes in this instance I do need to, you know, for my business, I do need to use a computer. I do need to use technology. I do need to use Facebook. But I don't want to be on Facebook 24 hours a day. I don't want to have my only relationships being virtual ones. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, so I love this. Uh, yeah. I love your approach, man. I, I'm, I'm excited too. I just ordered it, I think, uh, a couple of days ago. But I wanted to learn more about the hormones and epigenetics. I mean, I have been fascinated with functional diagnostic nutrition. And I think what's unique about, for at least from what I'm getting from your site and, and from you about paleo, Paleo A to Z is that yes, you're going to go over how to integrate paleo or, you know, it might be a great fit for somebody thinking about trying a paleo diet. But I like the fact that you're really integrating the technology aspect 
the blood testing aspect and all the information that's out there. So this, I mean, to me, this seems like a cutting edge book. So I'm stoked to, to crack this guy open. No, no, thank you very much. And, and I, th I think you're right. You know, you, we want to have moderation within whatever lifestyle choice we choose. And we want to have some validation about the choice that we make. You know, when I first did paleo, I was really skeptical. I was like, I don't like dinosaurs. You know, I don't want to be, you know, chasing saber-toothed tigers down. Do you know what I mean? It was like, didn't they all die when they were in their early 30s? Those, <laughs> you know, it was, th those are the questions that I asked. So, you know, I was scared of taking on board more saturated fat in my diet. I was like, I've been eating a low-fat diet for, for years. Why would I decide now to eat more fat? Because just because I've read a book about it. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so I wanted to get validation. And that validation came through not just me feeling better or looking better in the mirror, but me also taking blood tests. It was like, okay, what are the top five, top 10 markers that will provide a really good health state, a health status, you know, a snapshot of my health. So that's what I did. It was like, okay, you know, the number one killer is uh, hypertension globally. So surely if my blood pressure goes up, me undertaking this food, you know, new food template, I'm going to stop eating it. It's, you know, it's, it's, a simple, it's as simple as that. You know, I can, I can check my blood pressure daily. I can check that the numbers are going in the right direction. You know, blood glucose, another classic, you know, leads to type 2 diabetes if it's elevated. So, again, I can keep that checked, check it regularly, you know, check for hemoglobin A1C. I can check for signs of inflammation with CRP. You know, all of those uh, markers can be checked. They're fairly reliable. You know, you're going to get consistency around in terms of second opinions, do you, do you know what I mean? So this, it eliminates a lot of guesswork. It's like my CRP is this level. This means there's ongoing chronic inflammation in my body. My mm -hmm. CRP is at this level. Wow, there's hardly any inflammation going on. This is, this is good. You know? so, so I wanted to get some validation, and that means we have to use technology in order to provide that viewpoint that we wouldn't have had you know, 20, 30 years ago. This, this is a fascinating thing about, about 2015. We have access to all of these tools. If they're used appropriately, they are, they're advantageous. Great point, man. I mean, this is the most exciting time to be in the health and wellness space because not only do we have the tried and true methodologies of moving like our ancestors, but on top of that, there's also this layer of technology that can help us and kind of hack this modern world. Because I mean, as you've talked about with signs saying, don't take the stairs, our environment isn't really like, it's not set up to sustain healthy movement the way that people have to drive and the way that people have to live. So I am really excited to dive into this book. I know that it's about eating real food. It's about moving with brief periods of high intensity, how to integrate this activity and just making it fun. I mean, isn't that really what this is? You're just stripping away all the BS and just finding strategies to make movement fun again. So thanks. Thanks for writing the book, by the way, I'm going to check it out. We will definitely link it in the show notes, but I am curious, man. The last question I have for you is a powerful one. And I know with all your background and the seminars that you lead, I'm interested. What is your definition of wellness? Oh, 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 my definition of wellness. It has to be a complete sense of physical, social, mental, and collaborative health. So in other words, I can't just be well individually. I can't just be well physically. It has to be completely holistic. It can't just be about an absence of disease. You know, it has to be an optimization of every single wellness state that I can imagine. So I hope that's 
that to answer that question. I love your answer, man, because it's, it's unique to you based on your background. And I just want to take one second to honor you and the work that you're doing, because the approach that you're taking, I think, will help a lot of people, especially the type of people that just want to find the joy of play again. So thank you for what you do, Daryl. No, you're welcome. Thanks so much again for the invitation, Josh. And it's been a, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the show. Head on over to wellnessforce.com slash radio for all the links, show notes and bonus content. If you're interested in changing old habits with new technology, download your free digital health transformation guide at wellnessforce.com slash radio.